0: Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, good morning. Hey, we are in week two of our series entitled Quit Church. And I'm excited for this series. And again, it's based on this book called Quit Church by a friend of mine here. And um, I would challenge you, if you want to get a little bit more, you kind of want to dig a little deeper, I would challenge you to go get this book. You can order it online, anywhere books are sold. Um, And I would challenge you to to get it and and read through it. It could have been your goal, maybe you had a goal to to read a book or read multiple books this year. I would challenge you to make this one of those books and really go in line with what we're talking about over the next few weeks. And again, obviously this book and obviously this series is, is not talking about quitting church. But well, it's really talking about quitting our, concept, our our attitudes and our and our mindset about church, right? Changing the way we think about church, and really over this series, uh, what I really want us to walk away with, and what I really want us to understand, is that we need to quit doing church the way culture says to do it, and start becoming church the way Scripture displays it. Which means this means we need to quit playing church, right? Quit playing and start being the church. So that's my challenge today. That's my challenge of this series. is is not just to come to life change, but to actually become a part, right? Join us. Join us for prayer nights. Again, tonight we have prayer from 6 to 7 p.m. I will challenge you to come. Be a part of that. Like, start praying for the church. Start praying for the people in the church. Start praying for for the community that we're a part of, that we get to partner with. I'll challenge you to come from 6 to 7 p.m. tonight. There's child care provided, right? Join us as we serve the community. The last Saturday of every month, we actually uh, do a meal at Florey Park. We had 18 people from the community come in last month, and it was amazing. We were able to talk with them. We were able to pray with each and every one of those individuals. And we're going to do it again. We're doing it each Saturday, the last Saturday of every month from 4 to 6 at Flory. Listen, join us. Become a part of the church by joining us, right? Join our serve teams. The serve teams, we we come together on Sunday mornings to to serve as a church, right? We come together to, to be a part of the family. And we don't want you just coming in, we want you to join us, right? The serve team isn't just their own little clique. The serve team is open. We want you to join us and be a part. So jump in our first impressions team. Jump in our parking team. Jump in our tech team. Jump in our kids' life team. It's an incredible time right now. They're they're putting a new curriculum. You just heard about it, right? The Orange Curriculum, that's what this is. It's, It's an amazing curriculum. And listen, I will tell you this. When the kids' life team came to me and was telling me about this, I kind of had to uh, put my pastor hat off, and then I took kind of on the parent hat because I got super pumped about this. Like, this is an incredible curriculum. Like, this is going to make a difference in our kids' life. And there's handouts where you can actually go over this stuff with your kid through this week, and there's actually an app that you can put on your phone and then go over what the kids are learning on a Sunday morning. In fact, I did this with my kids this week, and they're like, hey, we learned about that in church. You guys are brilliant. But no, get this, right? It's It's a great way to do it, and you can jump on and be a part of the team right now. And listen, jump in our team. Get ready right now. We're, we're launching life groups again in September. I want you to mentally prepare yourselves to set some time aside through the week to actually become a part and join our life groups. I right? Quit doing church the way our culture says to do it and start becoming the church the way scripture displays for us. Start belonging. Start saying yes to church. And to say yes means that we have to say no to something else. Right, to start something means that we probably have to quit something else. I mean think about it, how many of you have ever started something new? Maybe you started a, a new diet, maybe you started a new workout plan, maybe you uh, started a new job, right? We've all probably started something new before, right? And I think for many of us, when we, when we learn to start something new, what we have to do is we have to quit the old. I mean think about a diet, right? For me to go on my, my Taco Bell diet, I had to quit eating at Wendy's. You guys diet probably differently than me, right? <laughs> but if you go on a diet, you have to change the way that you ate before, right? You have to quit your old way of eating. Same thing with a workout, right? If you have a new workout plan, if you're going to start something new, you're going to change something up, right? Instead of, instead of sitting on the couch and watching Netflix and binging all day, you might actually have to get up. You might actually have to go outside and walk. You might have to go out and get a bike Go and go to the gym, right? If we start a new job, maybe you actually quit your old job before you do. And again, our spiritual lives are no different. In order for us to start viewing church the way scripture displays it, we have to stop viewing church the way culture does. We have to stop and quit some things that hinder us and things, some things that maybe where our mindset is already kind of locked in. We may have to change, and to change means we have to quit. We have to throw those old mindsets aside. And again, our main scripture for this series is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. So if you have your Bibles, go there with me, and I would challenge you this, highlight this. Write this down, put it somewhere where you can go back to it. And if you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you to download the YouVersion Bible app. Just an incredible resource to take with you wherever you go. And again, if you look at this book in Hebrews, what it is, the author is writing to this group of people, this group of Jewish people who believed in Jesus. Now, if you know anything about the the Jewish culture and the Jewish uh, religion, they were very used to tradition. They had different rituals and things that they would go through all the time. And a lot of times, they would get so focused in and so honed in on those rituals that they would miss out. So really, the author is, is warning the Jewish culture, is really warning us to not get so focused in on the way we think it should be and the way that we've always done it, to really focus in on Jesus and to focus in on who he is. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. See, we're all called to run this race. In order to run it, though, there's some things that we have to get rid of, right? To run this race that Jesus has set for us, to work out and to live the plan that God has for us, there's some things that we have to throw off of our life. There's some things that we have to get out of our mindset, right? There's some things that hinder us, and we have to get rid of those things. We have to to quit those things that are holding us back. We have to quit those mindsets, quit those actions, quit those habits, quit those, those ways of life, and remove them completely from our life. We need to quit, and when it comes to church, we need to quit our attitude towards church that's not lining up with Scripture. And if we don't learn to quit some of the ways that we've been approaching God, if we don't learn to quit some of the ways that that we've been approaching the church, what happens is we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out. The body of Christ is going to miss out. Church, big C, is going to miss out on all that God has for us. So today, and through this series, what I want us to do is I want to challenge us to quit and to change our attitude. And today specifically, I wanna talk to us and challenge us in the area of finances. And I wanna challenge us with this. I wanna challenge us to quit thinking our money is ours. Quit thinking our money is ours. Now when I say that, some of you guys are like ready to walk off right now. You're ready to write me out, ready just to go get your Sunday morning nap in. Because the truth is, this is a hard concept to grasp. I mean, we all have jobs, we all go to work, We've all probably gone to school or did some type of training for that job. We work hard at it, right? We put some time into it so we think that we earn our money. And to say our money isn't ours, really, it just it feels wrong. Like it doesn't feel right. But the truth is we need to quit that way of thinking because our money is not ours. I right, Stick with me a little bit. When we go through this, if we call ourselves a, a Christian, maybe you're, maybe you're here today and not a Christian. Listen, we're excited you're here. But if you're here today and you call yourself a Christian, there's some things and some mindsets that we usually have, right? If you call yourself a Christian, chances are you would probably raise your hand if I, if I would say, hey, raise your hand if God had, you think that God has made everything, right? We'd probably raise our hand. For many of us, we'd say that God is bigger than everything. For many of us, we'd say that God can control and is in control of everything. And if we call ourselves a Christian, we believe that, that God is a healer, right? We just sang these songs. We sang this song about how God's an anchor in our life. And we believed it because we are singing, we're standing up, we're proud about that. We just sang this song about God healing our land, and we prayed about it for a healing touch from God. And we believe these things. We believe that God is bigger than those things. We even believe that God's our provider. But think about it. If I were to ask you to raise your hand, if you fully submitted your finances to him, chances are we wouldn't be so confident in that, right? For some of us, we couldn't raise our hand. I want us to think through this. Why do we believe that God is our healer? Why do we believe that God's our creator? Why do we believe that he's the anchor? He's even the provider, but then we think our finances are ours. It's because we need to quit. Because we need to change that mindset and quit thinking our money is ours. Because the truth is, God is our provider. God gives us every single thing we have. I mean, I kind of think about it with kind of my relationship with my kids. So for Many of you know we have a we have a seven year old and a five year old, and uh, they kind of keep us busy and they keep growing. So the weird thing about how they keep growing, they actually keep needing food. It's uh, one of those things that goes together. Like you feed them, they grow. And but if you don't feed them, then like they don't. You just gotta you gotta do that. And what's crazy about my kids is they're seven and five, and they're you would think that they would have a job by now and be like sufficient, but they're not. They're lazy. They don't work outside the house. They don't bring any income in, and it's kind of frustrating sometimes. And really, everything they have is from us. Everything they have is from either from grandparents or friends even giving them something for, for uh, their birthdays, right? Like, they have no real source of income. Again, they, they do some tours around the house here and there, and way they make minimal income based off of that, but again, it comes from us. And then a Griffin, he's actually... He does have an income. He actually goes around and like steals change from everywhere he goes. So listen, if you have loose change and you set it down within 30 seconds, it will be gone if Griffin is around. And there's times I come home, I put the change on and like within minutes, I'm like, dude, where'd that go? Griffin has a hiding spot. He's probably a secret millionaire already. But, but the truth is he has no really source of income. Like he, they, they have no source of an income. And uh, we kind of got into this habit on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings are a little crazy around our house. Well, I get here pretty early, kind of go over my message. And Sarah's part of the band, and the band gets here like 7.45 on Sunday morning. So they're here early. We're all kind of here and just kind of rolling. And uh, they have this habit of instead of making breakfast at home, they let this guy named Tim Hortons make breakfast for them. It's really nice of them. So, and we really kind of created this even before we planned the church because we'd go to Pickerington for church, and we'd always stop by. So what's happened is that the kids have actually expected and have come to expect Sunday morning is time for Tim Hortons. What's crazy, though, too, is they grow. Like, they used to be able to split a donut, just the two of them. And then they got, like, went to, like, hey, let's split a sandwich, so it got a little bit more pricey. And now then they just went to a sandwich by themselves. And now, like, some Sundays, like, on big Sundays, they're like, oh, it's, it's a sandwich and a donut type of day, right? So it's crazy. They get more expensive as, as they grow. But what's crazy is, like, a couple Sundays ago, I was here and uh, Sarah and the kids, they stopped by Tim Hortons before they came here. And then Berkeley, it was, a, it was a sandwich and donut type of day. So I see that she has both a sandwich and donut. I'm like... And for some reason, she had this frosted chocolate donut that just looked amazing. I'm looking at her like, that looks pretty good. I must not have had a breakfast that morning. So I looked at her, and I'm like, hey, can I have a piece of that donut? So she looks at me, kind of thinks about it, then looks at her donut, and then proceeds to take the smallest, teeniest piece of the donut that she could ever get, like the size of my thumbnail, and says, here you go, Dad. I look at her, I look at the donut, I'm thinking, Nope. Listen, this came from our money. This came from Sarah and bank account, the cash that Sarah had. Or, or You didn't pay for this. This is mine in the first place. So I took a bigger piece of the donut. But if you think about it, isn't this what we do with God, though? right? This is what we do with God. Like, he's provided everything for us, and then we come and we offer him the teeniest amount, if anything at all. What's amazing, though, is God's a little more graceful than myself. He just doesn't take afterwards, right? God has a little bit more grace with us and lets us grow. But I think so many times what we do is we have the same mindset as my daughter. We forget that what we have was provided by somebody else. We forget that what we have was provided by God. And what we need to do is we need to quit looking at ourselves as the provider. We need to quit thinking our money is ours. Because the truth is it's not ours. It's his. Everything is God's. Psalms 89.11 says it this way. It says the heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. Everything is his. The heavens, things that we can't even imagine, things that we can't even comprehend, everything is his, along with the earth and all that's in the earth, right? It's all his. He founded it. And get this everything in it that he founded is his, right? The sky, the land, the sea, he owns it all, everything down to the income we make. The result of everything that he's given us is what we have, right? He's given us the ability to make it. The truth is we're just stewards. We're just managers of what he's blessed us with. So we have to change our approach. We have to change our approach and quit thinking our money is ours. For many of us, this is tough, right? This is a hard concept to grasp. I think for many of us, what we do is we actually wrap our identity into our finances. We wrap up our identity into our job and the, the, the potential of income that we can make or how much income we make. We wrap our identity into into our savings account and how much money we have in our 401k. And what we're doing is we're looking in our identity to the wrong thing. We're supposed to always find our identity in God. We're supposed to always find our identity in Christ. And when we get to that, we start messing up. And there's some things that happen, right? I think for many of us, what we do is when we forget that God owns everything and we look to money as our own, we continue to mess up and we miss out on all that God has for us. right? We miss out on the blessings that Scripture talks about. And we end up with this really, this really unstable sense of security. This really false sense of security in our life. Proverbs 18.11 says it this way. It says, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it as a wall too high to scale. What that is, is a facade of protection. It's this unscalable wall. But what it is, it's an unscalable wall, and it's only in our imagination. right? It's not real life. It's fake. It's this fake sense of security. And when we do this, when it leads to is it leads to us thinking that, that we have everything ourselves and that we own our money. And it leads to this prideful way of thinking where we begin to trust our money more than we trust God. And it slows down our growth, it stops our growth. And here's what I know when we live out this prideful way of thinking, this pride always comes before the fall. So it's a dangerous place to be, it's a place of letdown, it's a, it's a roller coaster ride. It's this thinking of constantly being barred, bombarded by the not enough. But the truth is, God is so much more. God is more than enough, and he wants to provide more than enough for us. Right? God is interested in so much more for us. And understand this, though. When I talk about this, not just finances. This isn't like name it, claim it. This isn't prosperity of the gospel because God wants more than just finances for us. He wants to build character. And God is more interested in our character than our comfort every single day. Think about it. Imagine, imagine having a provider that wants more for us. Imagine having a provider that wants the very best for us, right? Not just the best for now, but the best for eternity, right? Not just comfort, but character. Not just good, but great. Not just temporary, but eternal. Right? This is what God wants for each and every one of us. This is why he gave his son. This is why he paid the penalty, the biggest penalty anybody could have, because he loved us so much and wants so much more. Jesus lived a perfect life, died on a cross, and then was risen from the dead to give us life and to give us life more abundantly, right? That's the more. That's the greater than we can ever imagine. God wants what's best for us. And we begin to experience this when we, when we trust him with our finances and realize that he's in control. When we quit thinking our money is his. i do a little illustration. i want you just kinda of, to grab this a little bit a different way. So if I would, I can have Justin Estep and then Corey Bronberg, you guys are gonna be my my people today. Justin, I'm gonna have you go first, Corey. You can stand right there. But Justin, you're gonna stand up. You were the bad guy and, and you're the bad guy in the first service as well, so you'll be the, you'll be the bad guy again. So this is what I think a lot of us do, right? What we do is we come to God. And we know that we need something from them, so we offer our hand up out to him. So, Justin, you're going to offer your hand out and say, this is what God's going to do. He's going to pour out to you, right? So he pours out. And then what do we do? For many of us, what we do is we have our hands open, but when we receive something, then all of a sudden we close our hand. So you close our hand. So this is how we end up living our life. So, Justin, say if I wanted something, keep your hand closed, and then turn your hand over it and say, hey, I need something. Nothing falls out, right? Because your hand's closed. And then you do that, somebody comes there, and you come back, and then you say, I want more from God. But this is what happens. Keep your hand closed. You want more, but there's only so much more you can handle because our hand's closed, right? We're not willing to receive more because our hand's closed. And I think this is how many of us live, but God wants to give us more. All right, Justin, you can take a step down. Corey, you're going to go up there right now? We could have just done this with one person, but it's way more fun this way. All right, Corey. All right, Corey. Now, you're going to go hands open, right? So God pours that out. It overflows because he's the God of abundance. And then somebody else comes and say, hey, I need something. So, Corey, just pour your hand over. So there you go. I've got some. And then God pours more, right? And God continues to pour more. And if I want more, other people will need more. The church needs more. The community needs more. He's able to do it. And then God keeps pouring more, right? And what's crazy is God's amount, God's bucket never ends. Let's give a round of applause for Corey and Justin here. This is what God wants for our life, right? God wants us to live a life with our hands open, right? God wants us to live a life where where we can experience more of him. And again, it's not more finances, it's more of him. Because God is greater than anything that we could ever imagine. And the truth is, God doesn't need our money. He's not saying leave your hand open so that he could get more back, right? His is endless, right? This his continues on like these got buckets and buckets and buckets and buckets of these like it's never ending. God doesn't need our finances. What he cares about is our heart. God wants our heart each and every time when we let go of what's in our hands, we show him our heart. When we open up our hands to him, we show him our heart. And when we open up our hands, when we let go of what's in our hands, he lets go of what's in his hands. And it's so much more than we could ever Unimagined. There's an abundance that he wants to give us of goodness, of riches that we wants to pour into our laps. And again, it's not just finances. It's character, right? It's integrity. It's love. It's kindness. It's patience. It's peace. And this happens when we trust him. When we show him our heart. Imagine if we did this in our lives. Right? And imagine what could happen, right? Well, what would happen is we would grow. Our character would grow. We would resemble the character of Christ. And in our finances, if we did this, we would resemble who God is. Right? Imagine if in our finances we resemble God. Imagine how, how inviting that would be to others. Imagine if people saw that in their life. They would see God through us. Right? This would change the church. This would change life, change the doors would be packed. right? There'd be people out their way, out, all the way out the doors. This would change churches all over the nation. Right? This would change our community. And this is exactly what happened in the early church. Right? This is how the church began. And it was because of the gospel. Because of this open-handedness that the gospel spread and the news of Jesus spread. In fact, one of the early preachers, one of the powerful preachers was a guy named Barnabas. What's crazy about Barnabas, though, is before he ever preached a word, he was known for his giving. It's because that open-handedness opened doors. The truth is this, too. This church wouldn't even exist if Sarah and I didn't get this concept and we didn't begin to get because what happened is, I remember when I remember when we stepped it up, there were some times we were given, we were consistent, but then we felt God say, hey, give a little more. Do this, go to this percentage, go to this round. We we're like, okay, let's do it. So we did it. But what was crazy is that, man, we began to see God work in our lives more and more. Not in our finances necessarily, but even more. And I believe that part of that, was because we were willing to give, God was willing to call. God was willing to call us to plant a church. Listen, it all starts with us open hands. Imagine if we did that. Imagine if we lived that out in our lives. Think about how many more people could be reached. I think about how many more families and, and marriages could find hope. I think about how many, how many people who need food and shelter we could supply that for. Right? Think about people we could save from, and kids we could save from sex trafficking. I think about how many more ministries could be financed. Think about how many more churches could be planted and how many people could cross that line of faith. All because we're living open right? All because we quit thinking our finances This is how we do this. What we do is we actually listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus talked a lot about money, and he talked specifically here in Matthew 6, 19 through 24, which we're going to go over today and really give us some some application points and some some takeaways that we can put into place this week. So Matthew 6, 19 through 24 says this. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's stop right there. And we're going to look at this. And really, this is how we can apply this. When we dig through this, this really makes us focus on where our heart is, right? Where our heart is. And this is what I want us to do. Our number one application point is this. To trust your Savior more than your savings. Trust your Savior more than your savings. Place your trust, place your heart, place it on Jesus, right? Place it think about. it. If you look at your finances, if you look at your treasures, what does it say about your heart? And what does it say that you're trusting? Does it say you're trusting your Savior or your savings? For many of us, we're like, Wait, what's a savings? Maybe it's your credit card that you trust a little more. Maybe that's the phase of life you're at. But what is it? What do your finances say? Does it show that you trust Jesus right? Like, what, what are your basic biggest expenses? What are your most consistent expenses? Is this something God called you to? Hopefully it's a part of your family where, where you're building that. Hopefully it's a, a part of your church family, right? Has church and God even entered into that, right? Has it even made a presence yet? Maybe here today, maybe for you, your first step is to take a leap of faith and to give. Maybe you've never cut the, a, a check to church, or maybe you never slipped some money in the, in the offering basket, but today's the day. Listen, I want to challenge you to start. I want to challenge you to make this happen, not because the church needs your money, not because God needs your money, but because it needs your heart. Right? God needs your heart. And he needs your trust, and we need to show it to him, because he wants to open the door in places and other places in our life. Right? He wants to see our hearts. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to give. Maybe for you, it's more. Maybe it's to be more consistent in your giving. Maybe it's to increase the, give the percentage of your giving. Right. Whatever it is, show your treasure. Show where your treasure is. Maybe for you this week, you need to pay it forward to somebody. Maybe maybe you could sponsor a child. One of the one child matters kids. Maybe last. A couple weeks ago, when the service is here, maybe you felt God prompting you to do it, but you didn't merely take that step. And God's saying, Show me your heart. Show me what you trust. Maybe for you to do that. Maybe for you to, to give your, the giving check, make it your first check instead of your left. Listen, whatever you do, trust your Savior more than your Savior. Live out what Jesus says. Again, Jesus talked a lot about money because He knew. He knew that it would be a constant struggle for us, He knew that it would be a constant balancing act for us. And he knew that we would need to quit our normal way of thinking, that our money is ours. Verse 22 continues down here, it says this. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And here Jesus is, is going through this. It's going to be a little bit kind of confusing. You're like, thinking like healthy eyes, unhealthy eyes, this is really weird, dark, uh, light, like what's going on here? But when Jesus is going through this, he's really implying that a healthy eye is an eye with generosity, right? And this is what a healthy eye looks like. It's an eye that looks to give. And then an unhealthy eye is an eye of stinginess, which is an eye that looks to gain. So really what we need to do, and our number two action step is this, is to be generous. Be generous. When you think about money, are you generous with it? And this is a tough question I think we all need to ask ourselves. But when you think about money, do you think about gaining money, or do you think about giving money? Right? Are your eyes unhealthy, or are they healthy? What's crazy about money, though, is that it leaks over into other areas of our life, and Jesus knew this, right? He knew that, that this, this, this unhealthiness could cause darkness in other areas of our lives. He knew that it could cause some damage. I mean, if you think about finances, our finances can cause us physical damage through stress, Right? Our finances can cause us relational damage. They can cause us relational damage through the the fights that we have. One of the most common tension points in marriages is finances, right? And Jesus knew this. This is why he said, if your eyes are unhealthy, if your eyes are always just looking to gain, then your whole body will be full of darkness. So I want to challenge you. Don't let money own you, but allow God to own it in your life. And to do that, we have to be generous. We have to live life open-handed like we just saw, right? Don't think about what you can gain, but think about what you can offer. And when I say be generous, this goes beyond our finances. This is in our time, our talents, our giftings, right? So maybe for you, maybe this week, maybe you need to go above and beyond the, your regular giving. Maybe you need to go and beyond your regular serving. Maybe this week you need to be generous. Maybe you need to buy somebody's lunch this week. Maybe you need to, to find a family and, and buy the school supplies for their kids. Listen, start being generous in your life. Whatever it is, start being generous. Have healthy eyes. Have eyes that look to give and not just give. Let's finish this up there in verse 24. It says this. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve both God and money. Now again, as we look at this, money is not evil. Our finances are not evil. But we can't serve it. It can't take the importance of God. It can't take over God's place in our lives. So we have to live godly instead of by our culture. So number three is this. Follow godly standards, not cultural standards. Follow godly standards, not cultural standards in our finances. And let me just break this down really simple simple and quick and easy that you can take this with you. And it's in this order. So you remember this order. Godly standards in, in our finances is this. It's to give, save, live. Give, save, live. Now, cultural standards says to do the exact opposite, right? It says live, and then, well, it kind of just ends there, right? But godly standards means that we give, then we save, and then we live. And here's how we give. What we do is we start off by giving, and we give based on the tithe. Now, the tithe, again, is 10%, and you may not agree with the tithe. you probably heard sermons over it, and you're thinking, like, dude, it's an abused topic or whatever, but let me just explain the tithe. The tithe isn't like a law. The tithe is a principle, and it's actually put in place before the law of Moses, Right? The tithe is really a basic where things should start. In fact, Jesus even talked about it that way. In fact, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and he almost treated the tithe like second nature. He said, yes, tithe, but don't neglect the more important things. He's looking at it like tithing is a basic, right? It's something that it's just should be fundamental in our life. And I also want you to understand this. I want to get this really clear. The tithing, The tithe and tithing itself is not a salvation issue. In fact, it's not even something that we should judge people on. What it is, it's a goal. It's not a limit. It's not the end game. And it may not even be the starting game, but it's a goal for people, right? It's, a, it's something to aim for. It's something to shoot for. It's a way that we can start by giving. So I want to challenge you. If you want to live godly, start by giving and start by reaching and shooting for that goal. Start by giving. So we give and then we save. I know you're thinking like, did you just told me not to trust my savings? He right? said, trust your Savior more than your savings. And now you're telling me to save? Yeah, I am. Listen, don't trust your savings account, but for crying out loud, have one, right? Don't be dumb. Have a savings account. And listen, if you're here today and you've got nothing saved, start. Start right now. Sell everything you can and get $1,000 in an emergency emergency fund as fast as you can. And then if you're thinking like, okay, I got $1,000, how much much is too much or how much is too little? Listen, save three to six months of expenses. Look at how much it costs to, to live a month and then save three to six months of that. And then begin to save for retirement. Save 10 to 15% retirement, right? It's wise to save. It's not smart to trust your savings. And it goes against Scripture to trust your savings, but it's wise to save. In fact, Proverbs 21:20 20 says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but food, but fools gulp theirs down. Listen, if we want to live according to Scripture, if we want to live godly in our finances, we need to be wise and we need to save. So give, save, and then live. And when I say live, I mean live within your means. I mean live godly. I mean live wise. Which means this. It means we actually have to use the B word. We have to have a budget. We have to tell our money where it's going instead of letting it tell us where to go. We have to use a budget. We have to pay our bills. We have to provide for our family. And we have to live without debt. God never intended us for us to live in debt. That's not godly. So I challenge you, if you're in debt right now, Get out. Get out as fast as you can. I'll tell you this. Get a book. Get a Dave Ramsey book and and get out. Follow it. Get out of debt. Take a Dave Ramsey class. Begin to debt snowball. Look at what that is and and begin to do that. But get out of debt as fast as you can. Follow godly standards, not cultural standards in your finances. Give, save, live. To overcome and to change our attitude about our finances, we need to quit thinking our money is ours. We need to trust our Savior more than our savings. But again, we do need a savings. Trust our Savior more than our savings. Be generous. And then follow godly standards and not cultural standards. God loves each and every one of us. And he doesn't want us to be owned by money. He wants to own our money. So we need to quit thinking our finances are ours. He wants to provide so much more for us. But the question really is, the question is, will we let him? Will we let him? And will we quit thinking our finances? you would pull out your connection card in the seat back in front of you. I'm going to challenge you to fill this out today. Maybe you're here today and maybe maybe you've never made a commitment to follow God. Maybe you didn't realize that He's your provider and He can provide so much more for you. But you need to make that commitment first. Listen, I'm going to give you that opportunity. If you're here today and you've never made a commitment to follow Christ, I want you to check mark that box. Check mark that first box and then believe that God gave His Son for you. And then commit your life. Maybe God's challenging you to, to... To do something. Maybe God's speaking to you in some way and He's challenging you to to quit thinking your finances. All right, listen, write that down and then begin to live it out. There's also a place for prayer requests as well. If you would take a moment to fill that out and then Sarah's going to explain the next step. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.